Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet of the Dow and the S&P. They're both trading higher, eclipsing NASDAQ. NASDAQ is down five, a drop there of one-tenth of one percent. We've got the 10-year up three thirty seconds with a yield of 2.18 percent. Gold up 570 the ounce to 12.94, a gain there of four-tenths of one percent. Crude oil down 2.16 percent, down 105 a barrel to 47.46. Stocks have been fluctuating in light trading, but again, we've got the Dow and S&P higher. NASDAQ lower, the S&P up three, a gain of one-tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie, thank you very much for that update. It is time for the Bloomberg ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit BlackRock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here with the Bloomberg ETF report, Bloomberg's Julie Hyman. I'm here with Eric Balchunas, Bloomberg Intelligence ETF analyst. And Eric, uh, there's been a trend in ETFs toward passive investing. Active stock funds, for example, have seen $120 billion in outflows this year. But active bond funds are another story. They've been attracting money. How much and why? Right. So they've taken in $100 billion this year, which is more than debt ETFs have taken in. So um, this sort of busts the narrative that we're seeing a lot of outflows from active. It's really more from out- outflows from equity active. And the reason that they are taking in money is because they're outperforming. Uh, active fixed income ETFs, by and large, the majority of them beat their benchmarks. And part of the reason is the benchmarks are more beatable. They can take credit risk, duration risk. They have more levers at their disposal than an equity uh, manager does with the equity benchmarks. Thanks so much, Eric. I'm Julie Hyman with the Bloomberg ETF Report. This is Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. Yeah, this is something we keep debating here at Bloomberg, whether or not the market is too hot or whether the fundamentals justify going even higher from here. Let's talk about this with Chris Cordero. He is chief executive officer, chief investment officer at Regent Atlantic, some $3 billion in assets under management. Uh, Chris joining us on the phone from Morristown, New Jersey. So, Chris, you look at the market and I don't know if you were in a debate, which side would you be on, the too hot or not too hot side? Um. I think, you know, I, I come in, I, I, I hate to go be last year, but I come in at the just right side. <laughs> I think, I think the, I think the, the earning season that we have really justify it, justify where we're at now. And for me, the big, the big risk here is, you know, we're, we're now, we're, now we're going into a time period where earning season's over and we've got this sort of vacuum. Um, and so that means that any news item, uh, has the potential to give us a lot more volatility. And, uh, and that, 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 that makes it, that makes it a little bit of a scary time to be in right now. Yeah, we do see that as we go from earnings season to earnings season, as much as it becomes kind of humdrum, business as usual, we got to cover it. It is important to giving investors clues about what's going on, at least at the publicly held companies. Right. And the, and the, the problem here is now is now the earnings season is is uh is over is is uh, is is over is right. it now 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 we're just going now we're now we're going to look at the news elsewhere and trying to figure out okay what is that going to tell us about him. So, you know, we're going to be looking at Washington, we're going to be looking at North Korea, we're going to be looking at Russia, we're going to be looking at the debt ceiling and it's going to be something's going to happen that is probably going to give us more volatility than we've had so far this year. This year's been a really mild year for volatility and and so we get 
used to this mild volatility, and then if we get something that really moves the market around, that could get folks pretty concerned. The other thing I will say is, that, as you say, not a lot of volatility. The market investors in particular seem to be going with the flow on things uh, in many ways. And if there is any kind of pullback, we see a rally kind of the next day or fairly soon after. We do see that movement very quickly happen. What kind of conflict internally here in the U.S. or outside the United States would really kind of change investor sentiment? Well, I think certainly if we if we see – uh, inter- internally, if, if we if we see tax reform debt on arrival, it doesn't isn't able to get done, and now we have the debt ceiling that'll come up later on in the year too. And if that uh, if that um, ends up being problematic, and they can't get they can't get a resolution on that, you know, that, that that's how we can we can you know we we can really hurt ourselves and shoot ourselves in the foot here and cause our market to go down. Um, it, th- th- those are things that are looming and coming up, and we know they are. Um, the you know whether whether something happens in North Korea or Russia or some some other geopolitical event, that's really hard to predict. Other than it can, it's always got the possibility of happening. What kind of money do you see coming in? Are you guys taking in a lot of uh, of new money? Oh uh, yes, we see we see the you know the I think for a long time period people have. Uh, Held on to to more cash reserves than normal so ever since 08 and 09, and we're seeing more and more money getting committed to the market. And for for us uh, advising our individual clients, um, I think now is a really good time to make sure that you've got a decent foreign exposure. Uh, you know, the the dollar is even though it's come down off its all time highs, the dollar the dollar is still pretty rich compared to the rest of the world, and the rest of the world's economies are just starting to come online and just starting to um, to gain a better footing. So I see, I see it as still a very opportunistic time to add some more foreign exposure to portfolios. What kind of foreign exposure? Well, so I, I really like emerging markets. We've got to overweight to, to emerging markets because um, I think both from a valuation perspective, they're very inexpensive. And if I look at a long-term economic growth um, thesis, it's likely that these economies are going to be the fastest-growing economies around the world. So any place where you can buy something cheap and it's going to be fairly high growth, um, you know, we've got, a, we've got a, a pretty decent allocation to that across our portfolios because we see it as a very attractive place to be. I'm just looking up some numbers here. Forgive me as I just take a second because I want to look at the MSCI indexes. Developed World Index is up about 10% this year. If I look at the emerging MSCI Emerging Markets Index, it's up more than double that, up 23.3%. So we've seen quite a move up already in emerging markets, but that doesn't worry you. No, because it's it's been lagging behind for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's been it, the emerging markets have been lagging lagging since 2010. So they have a lot of ground to make up, and their valuations are still very attractive. So th- this, if anything, uh, should give investors confirmation that now's a good time to allocate more there, because you're starting to get the momentum of it going up. Um, and so there's, you know, the, I, I think it's a trend that we'll likely see continue. You know, when you when you look long term at foreign markets versus U.S. markets, we get long stretches of time where the U.S. outperforms, and then long stretches of time where foreign markets outperform. I think we're at one of those inflection points this year where we'll likely see the foreign markets outperforming performing for the next several years to come. How important, though, is what we see happening in the U.S. markets? Maybe they won't outperform versus some overseas markets, but if the U.S. for some reason starts to come undone, as we learned in the financial crisis, it's all connected. 
It, 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 in a crisis like that, all correlations go to one. And so when we get something like that, all correlations really hit you hard, and everything moves in lockstep. But I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see us going into a, a crash or a calamity. But I do see that you know we're going to grow at different rates, and uh, it's, it makes sense to diversify because just picking the U.S. versus foreign markets, uh, I, don't, I don't think we need to do that. Both are are relatively attractive places to be, and both add to your portfolio. And by including both, you're you're actually reducing your risk because nobody has perfect foresight of what's going to happen. Um, I certainly know that right now, I, I would I would favor foreign markets a little bit more over U.S. But even having said that, I'm not going to um, uh, U.S. The U.S. market is still going to be the predominant allocation in our portfolios. So just because uh, we're you know we're, yeah. we're U.S. based investors. Twenty twenty seconds left here. Among the U.S. companies that you like, really global company, but U.S. based, Intel is one of them. Just quickly, Chris, why? Why is because you know they've been they've been moving from PCs to the servers. Uh, servers are a much higher profit margin um, appliance to sell, and you, you're buying you're buying Intel at a 14 PE with a three percent dividend yield. Yeah, um, that that's got a real potential to grow. Good to check in with you, Chris. Thank you, Chris Cordero, uh, Chief Executive Officer, Chief Investment Officer at Regent Atlantic, some three billion in assets under management, on the phone from Morristown, New Jersey. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio. 